0: as the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and in godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Good afternoon. This is Ernie Addison here on American Family Radio. This is Wednesdays with Will, and I'm Will Addison. I'm glad to be here uh, talking to you today. It's always awesome. I tell people all the time, when we open these mics, uh, this is not for any like, <laughs> you know, celebrity or anything like that, man. Mickey and I talk about it all the time that we see this as ministry because it is. You know, our background uh, is we come out of, out of campus ministry. Uh, for years, we served on uh, secular universities trying to reach the lost. And so we've been missionaries, man, the whole time we've been married. And it hasn't changed. We see America as a mission field. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, But man, we we have to hold the line. We have to be the ones that are sharing the truth of the gospel. And so it's a privilege and an honor to be able to open up this mic and uh, talk to you about the things that the Lord placed on our hearts. We don't count it as a small thing. Before I get started, I want to just go through a, a few announcements First announcement is, if you want to email us, you can email us at addisons at AFR.net, addisons at AFR.net. We receive your emails. We're not able to answer all of them, uh, but we try to answer as many as we can. Uh, If you have a comment, something that you want to share, uh, you can email us at addisons at AFR.net. Also, follow us on Facebook and on YouTube. You can search the Addison's, and you can watch the broadcast live so if you want to see what's going on, you can uh, log into that. And also, if you if you, if we are Facebook friends, uh, we do these little things ca- uh, called uh, the Aaron Addisons or the Addisons uh, children uh, challenges. And so it's pretty funny. Uh, we did one recently, and this one was, I think, the easiest one for them. Uh, this challenge we did last week was for them to eat sardines. It's pretty funny. So we we did one challenge where they uh, had to eat cottage cheese. That was hilarious. I mean, I had never tasted it before, and I, when I tasted it, it, it kind of took me back. So it was it was funny to see them on camera uh, responding to that. The second challenge we did was potted meat. Potted meat. That was funny as well. So this last one was sardines, but um, we, we're going to continue to do it. This. this is a lot of fun. This is fun we have with the children. You know, and uh, we allow people to just watch it as well. <laughs> so if you have Facebook friends with us, just search Erin the Addison's and you can find us. Also, make sure that you visit the Buy Design uh, webpage, afa.net slash bydesign. And also look up By Design on Facebook and you can uh, check out what's going on there. See some videos and some uh, blog posts and things like that. And last but not least, if you desire a clear and concise teaching on a biblical response to critical race theory, go to afastore.net, and you can pick up a two-part teaching done by my wife, Miki Addison, on that topic. And so if you um, have been—I'm sure you have been hearing about CRT and, and all that stuff. You, you hear about what's going on in the schools, but if you want a biblical response uh, to critical race theory— I would suggest that you go to afastore.net and pick up that two-part teaching by, by Miki. It's great. It's great. So today I want to ask a question. I want to ask a question, and we're not going to have um, an opportunity to uh, take calls, um, but the question is, is America a godless nation? Is America a godless nation? I received a call from someone. um, I don't know when the call came in, but it was in the messages, and it was a good call. It was a brother that that called, and he mentioned that he listened to the show, and um, he, he likes the show. He also said that there was something that we said that he just didn't agree with, and we need to be more careful with our words. So he proceeded to say that we, and I don't remember which show it was, but we mentioned that America was a godless nation. And uh, to his point, he said that uh, we need to be careful with our words. We don't need to be speaking death, you know, that we need to speak uh, life and, and, and good words over our country. And uh, and basically he said he, re- he rebuked everything that was said concerning that. And I was like, okay. So evidently he believed that, you know, there's some uh, – Power, creative powers, in our words that if we say certain things like that, that's how it's going to be. Are we pronouncing curses upon the country? And I know from uh, f- for a matter of fact, from, you know, our hearts that that's not what we are aiming to do. Uh, we are pointing out that there are things that are happening in our country. And man, as we look at those things, we have to ask the question, like, where are we pertaining uh, to our relationship with God as a country? You know, the things that are going on. Can we say that we are uh, uh, really one nation under God? Can we really say that in God we trust? When you look at what's going on and what's happening, you know, it's not that we're trying to uh, you know, speak certain things upon the country, but we're just bringing to light what's happening, and it shows us where we are. And so there's a few questions that we should really ask ourselves. What makes a nation a godless nation? Um, What are the biblical references uh, to being a godless nation? How do we, or how does a, does a nation, how does a nation go from godly to godless? How does that happen? Does America qualify as being a, a godless nation? And how does uh, recognizing where the country is, how does recognizing where we are help us in evangelism? Because I think it has a role to play, even in, in our evangelism efforts, that we understand where we are, so that we are able to properly be a witness, be a witness. And so, I'm going to talk about that a little bit today. And some people may disagree with what I say, and that's fine, you know. But I, I, I'm going to attempt to point out, you know, from Scripture, you know, some things uh, pertaining to our country, you know, things that we can look at and say, man. Are we here? Are we there? What are we doing here? You know, I have an article that I want to read some of it to you um, concerning this. And also, we're going to look at the scripture. So the Bible says in Psalm chapter 33, verse 8 to uh, 22, it says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord nullifies the counsels of the, of the nations. The Lord nullifies the counsels of the nations. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord looks from heaven, he sees all the sons of men. From his dwelling place, he looks out on the inhabitants of the earth, he who fashions the hearts of them all, he who understands all their works. The king is not saved by a mighty army, a warrior is not delivered by great strength, a horse. Is a false hope for victory. (laughs) A horse is a false hope for victory, nor does it deliver anyone by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope for his loving kindness to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart rejoices in him. Because we trust in His holy name, let your loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us, according uh, as we have hoped in you. Psalm chapter thirty-three, verse eight to twenty-two. We can look at that, and we can get an indication of a nation that a nation that is blessed by the Lord, a nation that uh, adheres to the Lord. Let all the earth fear the Lord. There has to be a fear of the Lord in order to be in good standing with the Lord. There has to be a fear and a reverence for God. And also, you know, a, a healthy fear that, man, he is God. His wrath is real. His judgment is real. And blessed are the people, blessed are the ones of the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Not only on a uh, national motto or on what's on our dollar bills, that you know, that having those proclamations on there does not mean that we are blessed by the Lord and it it does not mean that we are a nation that's unto God we have to really look at this thing, sometimes we get it conflated, sometimes we get it, 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 it all twisted that because we are in America therefore we are blessed well, I will submit that we are a blessed nation a blessed people, but does that mean that we are in good standing with God? Does that mean that some of the blessings that we have been uh, given that we that they're not slipping away, and it's because we have turned away from God? It's because we have turned away from God. I would say there there's a lot of indications that we have turned away from God. One of the things that we ha- we have to do as a nation, because and and this this has happened. A surefire way that you become a godless nation is if you forget God. If you forget God, what does that mean? I'm not talking about don't say you your grace before you eat. We should do that. But I'm that's you know, uh or I'm talking about a nation that has forgotten God. We see what that's like in the in the scriptures. Even Israel forgot God. They did their thing and they became wicked. And God had to judge them. God had to, you know, uh, uh, let some things happen. They had to get in, go into captivity, go into bondage, because they forgot God. Remember uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8? I want to read it. It says, and I know I won't be able to, to finish all of this. It says, all the, na- all the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you. He led you all these years that he might humble you. That's amazing. Testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. So he allowed these things to happen. He allowed them to be hungry and then he fed them so that they would know where where their source was, was in the Lord. So man should not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you. Amazing. Nor did your foot swell these 40 years. He said, I I gave you health. I gave you wellness all this time. Thus, you are to know in your heart that the Lord your God was disciplining you just as man disciplines his son. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains, of springs flowing forth in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food without scarcity, <laughs> in which you will not lack anything, a land whose stones are iron, and out of those hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Man, this sounds like where we live. We talked about the founding of this nation and what those men believed and said. We're going to continue to talk about this. Are we living in a godless nation now? Hmm, that's a great question. Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. We'll be back right after this. screaming out set me on fire set me on fire make me a blaze to my heart expire set me on fire set me on fire as i give you praise and lift your name higher lord set me on fire set me on fire make me a blaze to my heart expire set me on fire set me on fire as i give you praise and lift your name higher I in heaven, this is Aaron Addison's I here on American Family Radio presence, Uh, Will Addison joining you right now for Wednesdays with Will, and we're asking the question, is America a godless nation? And look, once again, I'll tell you, I love being American. I love, you know, living where I live. God has ordained for me to be here. He, you know, placed me where I needed to be in in this, uh, this country. But we have to be real when we look at certain things that are going on and ask the question, man, have we... Just gone away from God, um, and I would I would suggest that man we have, and we we're gonna talk more about that. But I was reading in Deuteronomy chapter eight, and God was uh, giving through Mo- Moses um, the instruction that the people would receive that they don't forget about God. He re- was he was reminding them that they were hungry. He he allowed them to go hungry so that he can feed them so that he could feed them. He was allowing different things to happen so that he could take care of them so they would understand that, man, God is our source. Not, you know, what we've done and what we've been able to do. Not even the land that we are going into because it wasn't because there were some righteous people that he brought them into this good land. But he provided for them. He provided for them. I want to finish reading uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, picking up at verse 11. And this is it. He said, "Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes which I am commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and gold multiply, and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with his fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. He brought water for you out of the rock of Flint. In the wilderness, he fed you manna, which your fathers did not know that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good for you in the end otherwise you may say in your heart my power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth look that's the attitude that we we have sometimes in this country even as christians we we have this uh pick myself up by my own bootstrap type mentality that sometimes can work against us because we start to rely on our own abilities and not even look at the Lord, the one that brought us to this place, the one that made us prosperous. Man, we have to guard our hearts to make sure that we're not saying this, that my power and the strength of my hand made me this well. Really? But you shall remember the Lord your God. For it is he who is giving you power to make wealth. It all stems from him, that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. It shall come about, if you ever forget the Lord your God, and go after other gods, and serve them, and worship them, I testify against you today that you will surely perish, like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you. So you shall perish, because you would not listen to the voice of the Lord your God. Look, I know this was a word to the ch- to people of Israel, but th- there are lessons in this for us today. The founding of this nation, as I talked about, as we've talked about on this show, man, we've read the statements. We've read what they said, how this nation can only be preserved and strength- strengthened through godliness, you gotta ask the question. So, does America qualify as being a godless nation? And again, the 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 founders talked about the importance of God, morals, integrity, Christianity, the Bible. Was the success and the survival of this nation? So we have to ask another question. Is this the same sentiment that we have today? Am I saying that the founders were perfect? No. They were, they were men. They, they had flaws. But they understood that in order for a nation to be blessed, that the God of the nation had to be the Lord. Today, is that the case? Of our politicians or even the general public? Have we gone away from those foundations that have made this place a sturdy, a sturdy uh, place, a strong place? Take, for instance, abortion. Now, we know that there's a fight going on. There's, you know, Supreme Court is hearing cases, uh, the, the case now, Dobbs. But at the same time, you got to sit back and ask yourself, wow, we've been going since 1973 with legalized abortion? That's a long time. That innocent life has been slaughtered. A long time. So I have to ask, well, how or what makes us better? than the people who worship Molech sacrificing their children to this false God, how is America better than, better than those people? I'm just asking sexual deviancy. How are we better than Rome in our practices? People will look at Rome. We, we all will look at Rome and say, man, that was a wicked nation, man. that Whoa, Rome. We will look at those people who worship Molech and say, man, they just so wicked and evil. But yet we put up with abortion in our borders. How are we better? We've allowed this whole transgenderism thing to take over. Homosexual marriage, which is not marriage as, at all. So how are we going to look at Rome and say, man, that's a wicked nation. But, man, we're blessed. God and country. You know, we're blessed over here. Come on. Look. Again. I believe that God has sent me here. I love America. This is the country that, you know, has afforded me all the things that, that, that I have, you know, the opportunities given to me by God through this country. It's great. But man, I'm not, I'm not blinded to the fact that man, we are on the road to destruction. We have forgotten about God. Just like Moses was warning the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter eight, that he, he, he that God brought them to a blessed blessed place. He brought them there with all these amenities. But if you forget God, there's going to be destruction. Why would that be different for America? Why? What makes us so special or more special than Israel? I don't get it. When we look at marriage and family, How are our beliefs different from the culture around us? How are we believing differently within the the body of Christ than the culture that surrounds us? The same things are happening. Marriage is not being valued. Family is not valued. Within and without the church. That's wicked. Corruption and violence. You know. When you think about all the stuff that's going on, the corruption, the lies, the deceit, even from so-called, you know, leaders, politicians or whoever, even within the church, lies and deceit and corruption, violence in the streets. I mean, violence, homicides and all those are out of control. So are we. A godly nation? I'm just asking. How are we different from the Cretans? Talked about uh, in Titus chapter 1, 12. It says, um, one of themselves, a prophet of their own, said the Cretans are liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Are we different from Cretans? Or how are we different from Scythians? Spoken of in Colossians. Scythians were a barbaric, warrior-like people. (laughs) They were were rough, man. They were like Vikings. They were just, you know, they would go and torment the people from Colossae. That's why when Paul was saying, there's no Jew, no Greek, there's no slave or free, Scythian, that's why they were in there, because these people knew who the Scythians were. They were terrorist type people, but the gospel had reached them. And so he's saying now in Christ, we're all one. But man, are we different than the Scythians? The barbaric stuff that we do in this country? Come on. See, we have gotten to a point in America, as Ken Ham puts it in his book, uh, Gospel Reset, and what we are dealing with is not peter the apostle peter to the jews admonishing them in what the prophet said and the call back to uh this rich history because we had that we had the foundation here of a, a rich history within the lord you know like the founding of the nation was based upon biblical principles but we're not there today see so that would be peter to the jews calling recalling to them the words of the prophets they would understand that. But today, what we're dealing with in our culture is Paul speaking on Mars Hill, the Areopagus, people who don't know God. There's a portion of this book called Gospel Reset uh, by, by Ken Ham. And I want to read a, a just a little portion of it, a couple portions. It says in Acts chapter 2, Peter preached to Jews, while in Acts chapter 17, Paul preached to Greeks. Their approaches were different based upon the worldviews of their audiences. The Jews in Acts chapter 2 believed and thought and viewed their world from a Jewish perspective. They already knew and understood what the Bible teaches about, creation, sin, and other topics. However, the Greeks in Acts chapter 17 did not have a foundational knowledge of biblical teachings on creation, sin, and other matters. He says America as a culture, in fact, the entire Western world used to be like the Jews in this respect, but that's no longer the case. Our culture has declined. Yes, it has. Having become more like the Greeks. Biblical illiteracy, having little or no knowledge of God about God and the Bible is becoming a rule rather than an exception. Even so, most churches still teach kids in their Sunday schools as if we are still in this Jewish-style culture instead of the Greek culture we find ourselves in. And this is so true, that we once had a culture where when you talk about God and and you would say maybe God and country or like, man, you know, things like that, where people understood it was God. <laughs> we talked about God as being the one who was the benefactor, giving the, the 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 gifts and the rights to the country, like the that the country hinged on the relationship with God? Not so today, because there's a lot of people who are growing up. They have been unchurched. They don't understand what's going on as far as you know Christianity. As a matter of fact, they don't like it. They stay far 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 away from it. I want to read another portion of, of something that Ken Ham said in this book. He said, so going back to Acts chapter 17 and Paul's preaching to the Greeks, how could he explain the gospel to them so that they understood it? How could he uh, build the right sort of house or, or so it would stand? He would need to remove any wrong foundation and then construct the right foundation so that the structure could be built. The Greek culture had the wrong foundation of man's word instead of God's word. And Paul would need to explain, starting at the very beginning, the correct history and ensure they understood terms like God and sin so they could comprehend the message. And that's precisely what he did. Many miss this important point because they are not looking at the big picture uh, here concerning Paul's response to the Greeks' non-understanding of the message of the gospel. When he went to Mars Hill... Looked around and saw all these altars and temples they had. He noticed the altar to the unknown god. He basically said, "Let me tell you who he is." And then he defined the creator of God of the God of the Bible. That's where we are, folks. That's where we are. A lot of the young people who are growing up. They're growing up unchurched. They don't know. They're not the same. And so we have to understand that this nation is not a nation. That's godly. Now, am I saying that there are no godly people within the nation? No. I'm not saying that at all. There's a lot of godly people here. But when you look and survey the land and what's going on, man, it's clear that there has to be a revival that takes place in this country. We are not, you know, built upon the rock Anymore. Like we have come down and been far removed. We're like Acts chapter 17. We are, we're like the, the Greeks here. We're not like the Jews who already knew and had a tradition of what it was, you know, to be a people of God. We're talking to a whole different audience. We have gotten to a point in America that we have to just come to the understanding that it's not like our grandparents or our great grandparents or even the founders. Like we've strayed away from that. And it's, I have to look at the church when I when I see, see these type of things. But is there hope? Yes, there's hope. We're going to continue to talk about this. The question is, is America a godless nation? Is America a godless nation? Look, I, I want us to be real about this and understand because in order for us to understand where we are, it, help, it helps us to get to where we need to, to, to get to. But if we deny where we are, it's going to be hard to get to where we need to because we are in denial. We don't believe that we need this. This is Aaron Addison's here in American Family Radio. Wednesday's with Will. We'll be back right after this. This is here on American Family Radio. It's Wednesdays with we Will, and we're asking the question today: Is America a godless nation? And I think you know when we look, and we—it's just kind of hard to 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 watch. We see what's happening each and every day, and it's ramping up. You know, it's the effects of sin. It's it's the effects of you know godlessness. You know, when we look at these things, we can't be um, deceived and blinded by what's going on. We can't be deceived because we're only deceiving ourselves if if we're trying to say that we are, you know, close to God in this nation. Again, there are a lot of good things that come from America. Man, I believe that America was established and formed for the propagation of the gospel. And we've done that. But you got to understand, too, there's been a lot of wickedness that we have exported telling countries that they won't be able to receive financial, um, finances if they don't take on deviant behavior or commit to abortion and things like that. We've done that too. We've done that too. So as I was saying uh, before, we have to ask the question is America a godless nation? That was an op ed that I came across, um, written by a man named Phil Zuckerberg. He's an associate dean of of, of a college. Um, and it was interesting because he's not a Christian and he, he this op-ed appeared in the Los Angeles Times. let's see he's a um, want see where he he's a Dean at what college? Pitzer College and he's the author of a book called Society Without God. But I came across this op-ed and I was like, man, now this is a person who's not a Christian and I think he's making the point. So when you think about this, when you when, when I read this and you hear this, the person who's not a Christian, I guess you uh, I think you'll be able to see that. But man, the points that he's making. And I think it's sad, but there's reality to what he's saying. He says this uh, secularization of of uh, U.S. society, the waning, uh, the waning of religion, religious faith practice, and affiliation is continuing at a dramatic and historically unprecedented pace. While many may consider such a development a cause as a cause for concern, such a worry is not warranted. This increasing godlessness in America is actually a good thing to be welcomed and embraced. Like, what? He goes on to say, democratic societies that have experienced the greatest degrees of secularization are among the healthiest, wealthiest, and safest in the world, enjoying relatively low rates of violent crime and high degrees of well-being and happiness? Clearly, a rapid loss of religion does not result in societal ruin. Now, I would like to know what, what, what places he's talking about. Because anywhere where Christianity has been, Christianity has been for the betterment of nations. Hospitals. Colleges, <laughs> you know, and I'm just I'm, I'm saying those things beyond the gospel being preached that transform hearts and lives. I'll continue to read. It says for the first time since Gallup began tracking the numbers in uh, 19, uh, 1937, Americans who are members of a church, a synagogue or a mosque are not in are not in the majority, according to Gallup report. Released this week, uh, compare today's 47% to 1945 when more than 75% of Americans belong to a religious congregation. So when he's talking about religion, he's, he's putting in there, you know, uh, uh, Islam, you know, Christianity, you know, but once again, I would say Christianity for the betterment of the world. It, it, it's proven where Christianity has been. It's proven that there's been a betterment to that area or to that place. He goes on to say, this decline in religious affiliation aligns closely with many uh, similar secularizing trends. For example, in the early 1970s, only one in 20 Americans claimed none as their religion, only 20, one in 20, but today it is closer to one in three. Wow. Over this same period, time period, weekly church attendance has decreased. And the percentage of Americans who never attend religious services has increased from 9% to 30%. Hmm. Those numbers are telling. Those numbers are, are telling. Again, this is not a Christian, but he's making a point why, for him why godlessness is good. <laughs> anyway, he says in 1976, nearly 40% of Americans said they believed that the Bible was the actual word of God to be taken literally, 1976. Today, only about a quarter of Americans believe that. With slightly more decreeing, the Bible is simply a collection of fables, history, and morality tales written by men. And the percentage of Americans who confidently believe in God's existence, without a doubt, has declined from 63% in 1990 to 53% today. Those numbers bring out a reality. I think there has been... Uh, going away from God as a culture, as a nation. Fears that this rise of uh, irreligion might result in the de- deterioration of our nation's moral fiber and threaten our liberties and freedoms are understandable. Hmm. Such concerns are not without historical merit. The former Soviet Union was a communist uh, country deeply rooted in atheism and was one of the most corrupt, bloody regimes Uh, regimes of the 20th century other aesthetic authoritarian regimes such as the former Albania and Cambodia were were equally crooked and vicious because they were not God lovers so he's saying that there may be some merit to you know Godliness (laughs) but then he goes here but here's the thing They were all godless dictatorships that tried to forcibly destroy religion by persecuting the faithful, actively oppressing religious institutions and making uh, a demagogic cult out of their uh, thuggerish rulers. Such coercive secularization is indeed something to dread. So he's saying that's not what's happening in America. Christians are not being forced to, like, you know, give up their rights. Hmm. Like, I don't know where... He's living, but I don't know if he's seeing the things that we're seeing. I don't know if he knows about Jack Phillips and, you know, all the different cases and things that are going on. Man, there are things that are happening right now in America (laughs) that that, that has to cause you to pause and think. Like, where are we? And then he goes on to say, however, there is another alternative kind of secularization, one that emerges organically. A, a, a secularization that emerges organically. It just happens over time. It's, you know, amid free and open societies where human rights, including religious freedoms, are are upheld and respected. No, because when you have this type of stuff going on, religious freedoms are not upheld and protected because they're at odds with those ideologies. It's impossible that it, it don't happen like that. He's man, he's deluded in his in his thinking said, many societies qualify for this label, including those in Japan, Scandinavia, the United Kingdom, and Czech Republic, Australia, Canada, Uruguay, among many others. In these places, religion is not actively repressed, nor do governments promote secularization. And yet, it occur- it occurs uh, simply because the people living in these societies lose interest in the whole religious enterprise. Hmm. Now, I bet these nations that he listed. If you go there and you go do some research into, like, what's going on there, man, these these places are not good places. There's a lot going on. He mentioned Australia. Man, they're under some of the strictest lockdowns (laughs) that you hear of. Like, things are, man. But he's trying to paint it like, wow, these are great places. These are, you know, secularization has happened and it's not oppressive. Come on, man. He says, Orga- uh, organic secularization can occur for many reasons. It happens when members of a society become better educated. Ooh, so Christians, y'all dumb. <laughs> That's what he's saying. Or- he says, organic secularization can occur for many reasons. It happens when members of society become better educated, more prosperous. Oh, Okay and live safer, more secure, and more peaceful lives. When societies experience increases in in, uh, social isolation, when people have better health (laughs) care, when more women hold paying jobs, when more people wait longer to get married and have kids, all of these, especially in combination, can decrease religiosity. Yeah, because it's going against God's standard. Yes, it's going to decrease religiosity. You're talking about Having a secular, a secular nation, a secular uh, place to dwell. Another major factor is the um, ubiquity of the Internet, which provides open windows to alternative worldviews. So this type of person want alternative worldviews, that biblical worldview. Ah, you don't need that. That's craziness. You need to be in a society where there's alternative worldviews and different cultures can corrode religious conviction. He's for this, that religious conviction need to be corroded. Wow. Now, that's not what the founders said, the the, the ones who formed this nation. They said if if religiosity corroded, you don't have a nation. But this is the type of thinking that's going on today that we need to corrode religiosity. We need to have alternative worldviews. Really? Well, the Bible says, blessed is a nation whose, Lord, whose God is the Lord. Somebody's wrong here, and it's not the Bible. He says, and allows budding skeptics and nascent free thinkers to find support and encourage one another. <laughs> The United In the United States, these factors are further compounded by strong backlashes against the religious right, the Evangelical Republican Alliance, conservative religion, religions, anti-gay agenda, and the Catholic Church's sexual abuse scandals. This has resulted in the winds of secularization swirling like never before, a political scientist, Ryan P. Borg, has said. Hmm. Yeah, I think the church's downfall and, and us missing the mark has led to people going away from church. But that's not the country you want. You don't want a country where the God is not the Lord. You don't want a country like that. You don't want a country where you're prosperous and you're wealthy and all this kind of stuff. But, man, you're sinful up until the, the top of your head. You're just full of sin. You don't want that. Rome had many amenities and things going. But, man, it was corrupt. On the inside, that's where we are. You don't want that type of, see, but he don't know this because he's lost. <laughs> he says a lot more, and I want not carry on but because, because time is running short. But I want to ask this last question. How does recognizing the country we live in help us in evangelism? How does recognizing the country and saying, hey, man, we're in a bad way, we need the Lord. We are not a godly nation. How does that help us in evangelism? Well, first, you know, I go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. It says, you are the salt of the earth, us. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except be thrown out and trampled on the foot of men. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. This should cause us to have an intense focus on being salt and light, on being salt and light. What about 2 Corinthians chapter 5? Here it talks about, starting at verse 11, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest to God, and I hope that we are made manifest also in your consciences. We are not again, commending ourselves to you, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us so that you will have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. And it goes down, and and Paul talks about how we, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away, and behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us what? the Ministry of Reconciliation. It's through the gospel. It's through the gospel that we become a godly nation. You want to be a great nation? How to make America great again? As Christians, preach the gospel. Share with those who are lost. Have the mindset that that's, uh, Charles Spurgeon had. If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the uh in the teeth of our exertions. And let not one go unwarned and unprayed for. That's the solution, the gospel. This has been Aaron Addison here on American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will. Be back tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.